testing one, two. Yes, we got speaker on. And it's good to see everyone that's made it out today. We have uh, several that are not going to be able to be with us today. Um, as most of you know, Greg and Carla uh, are still dealing with uh, symptoms of COVID, and Greg even told me that they wanted to make sure that they're completely over it before they come back to church, and for that reason, we're very grateful. Uh, Dennis and uh, his family uh, are in Columbus, or will be traveling to Columbus, I'm not uh, sure which, and they too need our prayers as well, and I pray the Lord will continue to uh, guide and provide. Well, as you can see on the board, we're going to take a little bit more of a break uh, before we return back to eschatology and our studies. Uh, let me say this to each and every one, Happy New Year, even though it's New Year's Eve. It's hard to believe that this is New Year's Eve, but uh, the more we have the opportunity, uh, we're going to see it happen all the time. I remember many years ago when I was pastoring down in Burnside, Kentucky, that I had the opportunity of having New Year's Eve services, and it happened to be on 1999. How many of y'all remember the big fear that everybody had that uh, the world was going to end as we know it? And uh, so, 1999, what did we do? I decided that we would, you know, have a New Year's Eve service, and I brought in all kinds of wonderful prizes that people could win. One of them that I had really worked hard on was the solar dryer. Now, if you've never heard of a solar dryer, that's called a clothesline with pins. And uh, I, made a, uh, a, I made a tea maker using a sun tea jar and things like that, and people had such a laugh. And you know, sometimes we forget that we can laugh, even amongst God's people. It, it, it seems like we always walk around, we want to be so pious. But the reality is, we cannot be as pious and that the world would not want anything to do with us. Then we become a stench in their nostrils. So what we're going to be doing today, we're going to be looking at, and I'm going to encourage you all to read the Bible through again. Oh, we did that a year or so ago, didn't we? But here's the thing, I find in myself, the more that I read the Bible, the more that I find that it, it affects me. Let's take our Bibles and let's go to James chapter 2. And uh, quite literally, I will, uh, you know, one of the things I did is I put in five questions each, so you don't have to start till tomorrow morning. Uh, that'll be the first of the year, and uh, that kind of shakes everything up a little bit as we look at new verses and new questions that we can discover throughout the Bible. But one of the things that I noticed, and I didn't put this timeline uh, in, but if you notice in the very back there's a timeline, and we're going to see this uh, slide up here in just a moment, that will also reflect what we see beginning with the Bible. Well, let's go to verse 20 of James chapter 2, and we're going to read down to the end of the chapter. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the, his altar, or the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with works, and by works hath faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believeth God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he is called the friend of God. Now, it's the main reason that I wanted you to see this, this passage, was that he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. 
for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So what is this really given us in the indication? Does this mean that we work unto salvation? That doesn't mean that at all. But it speaks of faith, and the regards of faith, as we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, uh, is now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith means that I move forward trusting that the message that God has given me is clear and concise. The reality is, is that as we take a look at our timelines, there are so many things that are there for us. In fact, Brother Joe, if you will, go ahead and let's look at the first slide. And uh, the first slide that we have is going to be very similar to what you see on the back wall there. And you can see from the time of Abraham all the way down, or excuse me, from the time of Adam all the way down to the time of Abram. And there is an interesting statement that we're going to be looking at in every one of these individuals. And the reality is, is that we would think that because Adam was so close to God in the creation, that everyone would believe what Adam had to say. But even in his household, you had those that did not believe, even though they heard the voice of the Lord God. You see, I'm one of those individuals that I believe that when it speaks of in Genesis uh, chapter 4 that with Enos did men begin to call upon the name of God, that's when he no longer walked visibly upon the earth. Now, you can, if you want to argue with me, we can. I don't think it's a point of argument. But the reality is, is that, now think about this for a moment. Let's say that Cain and Abel had already built up two altars. One was going to offer up their vegetables, the other was going to be a slain lamb upon the altar, and the Lord God was sitting there in front of them. One he had respect over, the other one he did not have respect. If we look at it from the point that the Lord was with them, it makes all the difference in the world. And so when the Lord God came up to him and said, Cain, why are you wrong? Why are you angry? You know, if you do well, if you know what to do and you do it well, will you not be accepted? Get away from me. Get away from me. I don't want to do anything to do with you. And then a little bit later, what do we find? Abel tried to also appease his brother. And it said that Cain tried to rose up immediately and killed his brother. Reality is, when Cain killed his brother, we find that there's a whole host of sins that are committed. Number one, there is lie. There is the death. There's the rebellion. I mean, every little thing that we can see in Genesis chapter 4. And yet, there is a mark that is placed upon Cain that says, if you're like this one, God's not going to bless. So, one, one of the passages of Scripture I want you to look at, and then we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. In Romans chapter 4, verse 1, verse 1, in Romans chapter 4, verse 1, we also read about Abraham, and we're going to see a little bit of what we are learning about today. Look what it says beginning in verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, there it is, there's the message that we're looking at right now. If he were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. In other words, if he went out on his own without the voice of God, was God going to bless him? If he was going to do all of these different things that we know was a sign of his, his life, we know that these things were not appreciated of God. But when you apply faith, after hearing the things of God, then his actions speak louder than words. All right? 
Verse 3, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God. <coughs> he believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So if Abraham believed God, this is the whole aspect that we want to understand in learning from the things of God as it's recorded in the scripture beginning with Genesis chapter 12. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Father, we want to thank you that you have blessed us and that you will guide us in all things. And help us, dear Father, today to understand thy word. Lord, while we know that there are many things that we don't understand, seeing your truth as it is written from your word is so very powerful to us. Help us, dear Father, then to take this moment to learn the things that you have given us from the scripture and help us, dear Father, to, to understand the truth that you give us. Help us, dear Father, to learn. Help us to grow. Help us to be faithful. And may we walk in you as you see fit. So guide us and lead and bless us. May we be used of you in a powerful way. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Now let's take our attention. Let's turn back to the book of Genesis chapter 5. And that's where we're going to start here as we look at this day. Now I'm going to show you in Genesis chapter 5 and in Genesis chapter 4 several things that I had to come in contact with. Matter of fact, let's go back to Genesis chapter 4. And in Genesis chapter 4, we find these wonderful statements that are made. Now, I got news for you. If you read the Bible and you don't rush through your reading and you really apply the things that you read, you're going to have more questions than you have answers. It will cause you to study more. You, you're going to find that as you study that you're going to find all the, end of thing, all the things that are going to uh, cause you even more to be appreciative of the things of God. Give me an example. In Genesis chapter 4, notice that we have in verse 17, And Cain knew his wife, his sister, and she conceived and bare Enoch. Now there's two Enochs in the Bible. There's an Enoch that's in Adam's lineage, and there's one that's in Cain's lineage. The oldest of these is this Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of that city after the name of his son, Enoch. Now, Enoch, if you want to write this down, means dedicated. You're going to find that afterwards that Enoch has a son, and he called him Irad. Irad means fugitive. Now, again, you say, well, where did you get all these things? Well, thank God for someone like Strong's, who wrote a concordance that allowed me to go in and do some research. And so, as I researched these, I wrote these down. Mahu Elil, he was called uh, smitten uh, by God. Methuselah, or Methusiah, uh, who is God. Lamech is powerful, and I can go on and on and on. The reality is, is that when you see these names, there is really a question in my mind about who is the holy ones and who's not. You see, they also, Cain believed in God, but he didn't believe in God the same way that we believe in God. Now, it's interesting that Brother Randy and I were talking a little bit before services, and he goes, what do you think about this? And as soon as he made that statement, I went, oh my goodness, I know exactly where that's coming from because I've heard of it myself. The reality is, is that there are people that they want to read into the Bible or they, they hang on to one area and they're saying, as man, it must be magnificent. 
Now, let's put it this way. We just finished our uh, Christmas celebration or the, the birth of Christ celebration. And as we did, there's amazing how many things that are out there that are not true. I'll give an example. How many of you all have ever heard that the star hung right over top of the crib of Jesus? Not in Scripture. It's not in Scripture, but it is there on postcards and songs and everything else, and we sing it. Are we not partaking of that belief if we sing it? How many of you realize it was probably a hot, balmy night that Jesus was born? Because he was born in an arid region. He was not born in the Alps or anything else, which, by the way, away in a manger was actually written in the colder climates. Your holy night was also written in the colder climates. Far removed from the arid regions of Israel. Matter of fact, many years ago, I used to put up a display for the county uh, that I lived in. It was called Burnside Island. You know, during the summertime, during the uh, Christmas time, it's called Christmas Island. And so the reality is I put up all these displays and someone asked me why I had a palm tree where Jesus, you know, it, around the manger. And I went, you're kidding, right? Um, uh, you're, you're really kidding. And he goes, no, no, I, I don't understand. Why don't we have a pine tree? I said, because... <laughs> Reality is, Jesus was born in that arid region where pines grow. And the reality is, is that many times people don't understand even the rudimentary part of Scripture. When we take a look at the, the wise men, how many of you all have seen the camels? How many of you all know that we don't know if there was camels there or not? We, we assume there were because they crossed the hot desert, but we are not certain that camels came across. There are so many things that we apply that were never in Scripture. Well, guess what? The same thing holds true with what we just read in Genesis chapter 4. They believed in God, in a God of their own mindset. And this is the real danger that we face in the day and age which we live in. So many people do not want to believe in God as we do. Now, here's a cold reality. I'm going to give you something that, that really happened to me not too long ago. How many of you all really realize that Abraham Lincoln was a real man? He was real, wasn't he? How many of you all know that Abraham Lincoln lived and was our president during the Great Civil War? How many of you all remember that? But how many of us allow ourselves to be distanced from that because we've never met the man? It, this really occurred to me the other day when I was coming back from the VA and there is a, a sign on the back of another sign that says, let us bear up the wounds or the hurts of those that have gone to battle for us. That was really stated by Abraham Lincoln. And I looked at that and I went, we're living in a time where we really say that we believe in a president named Abraham Lincoln. We live in a time when we really say we believe in a president named George Washington. Wait a minute. How many of us really believe that Adam was the first man? Now let that sink in for a moment. You see, this is God's plan. This is not human plan. This is God's plan. And if it's really God's plan, it began with a man and a woman who were made in the direct image of God and they saw God. Let's look at this. Look at Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generation. 
descendants of Adam in the day that God created man in the likeness. But under, if you don't have that word likeness underscored, please underscore it. Because it says in Genesis 1, verse 26, let us make man in our image. In our likeness. So the And, and there's a lot of people that don't like this. Adam was the son of God. And really, he was. But look what else it says. Male and female created he them, and he blessed them and called their name together. When they were together, he called them Adam. You know, one of the things that I tell people is that when men and women get married, they, the woman should take on the last name of the man. So if I marry a woman, she should take on my last name. If she goes, well, I don't want your last name. Well, then I don't want you. Let's be honest. The reason is, is because the heritage goes from the seed of the man and it is passed on. I have four sons. I have Tony, I have Jeremy, I have uh, Timothy, and I have Joe. And of those four sons that I have, they all bear my last name. One time I preached a sermon, I said, Tony is the son of my people. Because he carries on not only the lineage, but the name. Jeremy is the son of my God. And I went all the way down until I got to the very baby, and I said, these are the ones that mean something to me. The reality is, is that this is how Adam was created with Adam and Eve. After the fall, notice in verse 3, this occurs after the fall. And Adam lived 130 years and he begat a son in his own likeness. Now, why do we see that 130-year period? Was there not other children? We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 4, and we see Cain and Abel that were born. The very conclusion, now I want you to see this, in verse 25 of Genesis chapter 4, is the conclusion, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. Guess what the name Seth means? It means a substitute. How do I know that? For God, she said, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. There was something about Abel that was very much godly in his approach to things, in his desire of things, and everything else. Even though they had other sons and daughters, that came along, that he began to be in the same image of God. Now let's go back just for a moment. Let's see if that's not true. And it says that of all he began Seth for 800 years, and he began sons and daughters. Stop there for a moment. What about the rest of them? Do you realize that in our life we have a tendency of believing? that when sons and daughters are born unto us, that they're automatically going to be raised up. As long as I prepare them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, man, they should never rebel against it. Where is that written? It says over in the book of Proverbs, tramp a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart from it. The reality is, if he receives it, there's, here's, the, here's the thing about a, a proverb. A proverb is a maxim. And reality is, is that if we receive the Word of God, then we know it's there. Now, we as parents have a responsibility. Number one, to raise the child in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Uh, I'm going to say this for a moment. 
I raised four perfect sinners. I'm sorry, Tony. I'm sorry, Jeremy. I'm sorry, Tim. I'm sorry, Joe. I, I raised you all to be perfect sinners. They still love me as their dad. God knows why they still love me as their dad. But it is amazing to me that when we're together, before long, the things of God are mentioned. It's amazing to me how much they protect my testimony and I protect their testimony. Timothy asked me the other day, he said, Dad, i got another one for you. He, he's now got three or four different individuals that want to reach out to me you know, to see if I would be willing to accept their phone calls and talk to them while they're in prison. You know, as long as Timothy is in prison, I have no problem with it. And if these individuals become men of God like they're supposed to be, guess what? Then our ministry is expanded. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't know if we ought to go that far. Really? Reality is, is do they not need Christ as well? Can God save behind the bars? He certainly can. Now it becomes up to us to teach them the right things of God. Now, here's the thing, that, and again, I'm going to get this back to you. Verse 4 says that Adam had sons and daughters. But how many of these men and women truly trusted in the Lord? That was the question I had. You see, just because, I mean, if you think about this timeline, yes, every generation, it started off every hundred years there was a generational change. And that's why you see every hundred years was a generational change. But after the flood, everything became 40 years. And I'll prove that to you here in just a moment. But the reality is, is that with each one of the children that were being born unto the leader, those children had a great responsibility to be like unto God. Their responsibility. And if they did not want to be like unto God, does that mean they still did not live? Yes, they lived, but they did not live in the right way. We can go on and notice what else it says in verse 5. And all the days of Adam were 930 years and he died. Of course, that's what the scripture says. For in the day you eateth thereof, thou shalt surely die, and Adam died. Once again, everyone wants to try to call all these different gammons and things like that that they find the tooth of. And they're saying is, just short of saying, well, that must have been Adam. They won't go that far. Well, the reality is, is that God made a perfect man in the perfect image of God, and that man was called Adam. But then notice in verse 6, and, and Seth, what about Seth? And Seth lived... Uh, 105 years, and he begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years and begat sons and daughters. Why, once again, what do we know about the sons and daughters? We don't know anything about them. How many believed? I don't know. How many didn't believe? I don't know. Did Enos bring them to the place where they trusted in the Lord God? Did, they, did he lead them in righteousness? Did he lead them in the perfect study? I, I, I suppose that he did. And I would encourage you to go back in and look at the different ones and what their names mean. For instance, a little bit later you're going to see is Canaan. Canaan means possession. Later on you're going to see Mahaliel. Mahaliel means praise of God. And a little bit later, you're going to see Jared, which means a descendant of Adam. Quite literally, every one of these individuals have a dedicated name, and there was a purpose behind their name. But now comes the real trick. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 6.
Now, we, we're still on this timeline. And do you realize, and I want to show this to you, this is an amazing part right now. From the time of Adam all the way down to the time of Noah, there's only been a little over a thousand years that has come into place. So the birth of Noah was 1,000 years, roughly, 1,056 years. And during this time frame, you'll notice that here comes the flood. The thing that bothers me is, take a look at Methuselah. When did his life end? Right at the year of the flood. What about Lamech? I have seen where they said Lamech also died at the year of the flood or just before the flood. My question is, was Lamech and, and Methuselah, did they live and die in the flood or just before the flood? I will not know until I get to heaven and then I will ask God him that, those statements directly. But the reality is, every one of those individuals had an opportunity to serve God. And the further away they moved from Adam, and by the way, you take a look at it, Adam died about, you know, we can, we can draw that line down from his death and we can see that he died about the time that Noah was born. But notice what it says. Now, how many of y'all would love to have Adam on the, on, on the surface with you right now? And listen to his testimony of his creation. How many of you would like to have Noah and his testimony about how that he was one who was commanded to build the ark? How many of you would love to have Abraham talk amongst us and tell us about how that God had called him from the Ur of the Chaldees? You see, all of these things are written for us to gather. Then why don't we respect it? We don't study it, we don't respect it because it doesn't mean anything to us. Once again, the very sign that I saw in the back of that, that place, leaving the VA from Abraham Lincoln. I did not live during the days of Lincoln. But there were many men who suffered the consequences of the Civil War, both North and South. Did they not? And yet we had that great responsibility. The very decree that Abraham had declared back then still fits me today. But I want you to see this picture. And this is a terrible picture. In Genesis chapter 6, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the, of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. Now, who are these daughters? They're beautiful women. They are the most beautiful. I believe they were enticing women. Women that means a lot to them. But look at verse 2. And when the sons of God, and I believe that Adam and his children, and those that were in his descendancy, were called the sons of God. Why do I believe that? Because again, the likeness was there beginning with Adam. Cain had already become a reprobate, and they went after the God of their imaginations. But watch this. And the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Who is this referring to? We're talking about the sons of God looking at the daughters of Cain. Not the angels. You know, it really bothers me how many times that people will say, well, the, the angels procreated. If the angels could procreate, then why aren't they doing it today? Why did the Lord God say, 
unto us. At the very beginning, he said, you shall be like the angels, not given in marriage or even having the ability to have children. Yeah, that's in the book of Matthew. But look what else it says. And they took wives of evil men. Look again at verse 2. And the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, they were beautiful, they were and they took them wives of all which they chose. You know, if there was one failure, and we're blessed, we really are blessed to have the women that we have in this congregation. The men, how many of us chose them, how many of us prayed that God would give us the right woman? You know, it's like this, is that if I had really prayed, you know, and I don't mean to pray like we pray for a car. Oh God, if you want this car to go through, then Lord, I, I pray that you will uh, bring the license to pass. That you approve the loan. It doesn't work like that at all. But instead, the approval should be one to where that we say, God, open the door for the right person to come in. Man, that's so precious, but we don't do it, do we? Well, she's got to meet what I want. Now, wait a minute. These eyes can be deceitful. Many times when I'm counseling with young men and young women, I'll say, are you going to love this guy when he turns bald? Are you going to love this guy when he gets that pop belly? Are you going to still love this guy, this guy when he loses all of his teeth? And I look at the guy and I'll say, Are you going to love this woman when she gets heavier after she has four or five kids? Are you going to still love this woman when she doesn't look like she does right now? And it's like, in their mind, it's like, Oh, yeah. Go. And then I'll take a mirror and I'll say, When was the last time you looked at yourself? Jamie is sitting there doing this right now, which means amen in the privacy part. Now, Joe, you better be careful. That woman that's in front of you there, okay? Nancy's not here to defend herself, so she's okay. <coughs> the reality is, is that the Lord said in his own words in verse 3, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Sin escalated, and it looked like Satan had won the upper hand. In fact, when you go down to it, it says in verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination and thought of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. You know, I, I can't even imagine what that evil was, but Noah faced it as well. But Noah kept his house in order. Now, I don't know how Shem, Ham, and Japheth, how that they handled the situation when their dads were building an ark. I don't know if they handled the ridicule. I, I don't know. I wasn't there. But the reality is, is when the ark was finished, he said, boys, let's get your wives and we're going to come on board the ark. I don't know if there was rebellion. We're not told about this. You know, if there was anything like my own father, there was never a, a chance to argue against dad. It was like, this is the way it's going to be. And sometimes even we as dads need to stand up and say, this is the way it should be. This is the way it's going to be. There was no argument from Sarah. There was no argument from Shem, Ham, or Japheth or their wives. We don't see anything like that. And there was going to be a lot of work that needed to be done. Already Noah had built an ark specifications of God had to be in that ark. And quite literally every little detail 
law had to be put in place. But did you notice everyone was a grief to God because their imagination was on the evil continually? Let me tell you something, men. We live in a very rough age. We see, you know, and I, I tell this, sex sells. Yeah, I said that three little word from the pulpit. Well, I'm just on the other side of the pulpit, so I'm okay. Do you realize that that word means it really does sell? How many of you have, I'll, I'll give you an example. How many of you remember years ago something that, was, no, I know this is going to be hard for you to remember, high karate. What was the selling point of high karate? You'll have to beat the women off. Man, they were bottles of that stinking stuff that just flew off the shelf. How many of you remember English leather? All my men wear English leather. Or they don't wear anything at all. What does that mean? The only one that's still around is called Old Spice. And guess what they have now increased the sales in by appealing to sex. to you, after the new year, every, every advertisement, every QVC, everything that you're going to see is going to advertise getting yourself in shape so you have that beach body. Can you imagine, ladies, your pastor up here as he preaches having a rock-solid body and things like that, instead of the round figure that you see up here right now looking more like Santa Claus every day? Reality is, is that this is on the imagination, and guess what? If we're not careful, we allow that to also enter into our homes and into our lives. And I've got, I've got news for you, men. You want to tear down your wife? Then look at other sexual objects. Your wives feel like they have to compete and that they're not good enough for you. That should never be the case. That should never be the case. Well, the reality is we know about the flood. But I want you to now turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. And in Genesis chapter 11, in verse 27, out of the lineage of, we found out of the lineage of Shem, came one individual. Now these are the generations of Terah. Now, everybody with me? We're down to verse 27 of Genesis 11. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and, A and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. By the way, I loved what one person did for me one time. He said, that's not really pronounced as Haran, it's Iran. So when you look at it from that point of view, you can see that even today's modern pronunciations are there. How many of you have ever heard the name Eber? It's actually pronounced Eber. How many of you all realize that Abraham was the descendant of Hebrew? Once again, that's in the book of Genesis, chapter 11. Look what else it says. And he ran, and, and Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in the Ur of the Chaldees. And so we don't know why this man died, but he died in the, the pagan climate of the Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives, and the name of Abram's wife was Sarai. 
and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Ishka. And Sarah was barren, and she had no child, and Tira took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, Haran his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees into a land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. Now, what is interesting is that we find that immediately the movement is to go into the northern crescent. I didn't bring this up, but they call this the Fertile Crescent. And literally, it is one that goes from Israel all the way up into the mountainscape, all the way back down into the, the, the lush plains of Sinai. And it was while they were there that, that Tira took his family up to Haran. Why? Maybe to escape the, the, the image of his son. I don't know. Maybe there was that awful memory that he had there of losing his son. But the one thing we do know is he left and he went to this other place. Did he name the city after his fallen son? I don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us. But it's interesting that Abram and Lot... And also we find that Nahor, his brother, was there as well. But the attention then changes in Genesis chapter 12. Now I want you to look at the change. In verse 1, now the, Lord, now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father, father's house into the land, I will show thee. Now here's the thing. This is a direct command of the Lord. Can you imagine Abram? doing whatever Abram did. Was he taking care of the sheep? I don't know. Was he taking care of the land? I don't know. But the reality is, he heard from God, and there wasn't a question, but a clarity. Get up. Get out. Get going. Get up. Get out. Get going. When you take a look at get up, it means that you have to wake up from where you're at. How many of us are amazed that we heard the preaching of the word when we heard it the first time. And the moment that we heard, it began to bring in to us questions. You know, many years ago, I remember that, uh, believe it or not, my pastor's name was Johnny Mayfield. You remember Johnny? And uh, Johnny Mayfield, he was over at Sabine Missionary Baptist Church. And I remember that my dad and mom, after they had heard him preach, after they had the invitation, they came back, they had a lot of questions. And it wasn't until a man by the name of Bill Mills came over and began to witness to my mother and father that they were saved. And after they were saved, they joined up with that little congregation. I was seven years of age, and I remember like it was yesterday. And I remember we went down to Sibine, or, or not from Sibine, but the Sims Creek, I think it was. And there we were baptized at the boat ramp. I was amazed we, we made it out of there alive. But the reality is, all those things to fall like dominoes in front of me. So I heard the message of God. Get up, get out, get going. Get me. I am now sending you further than you've ever been. I don't know the argument that Abraham might have had with his, his father Tira. Tira might have said, well, where do you think you're going, son? Well, I've heard from God. Well, I haven't heard from God. You brought me this far, Dad. I have to follow after my heavenly father. This was something brand new for Abram. Now understand, his name was Abram, which means the father or exalted father. 
Now, if you want to write that down, it's going to be so important. How many kids do you have? None. But you're an exalted father. Now, think about that for a moment. And so, as you begin to see Abram, he gets up, and no doubt, there had to be some discussion with his sons. But notice again that he said, I have to keep going because God has promised me that I'm going to be different. Look at verse 2. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee. And I will make thy name a and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now understand this. There's a lot of people in this world that they want to say, well, this doesn't pertain to the Jews. Do you realize that every blessing that comes from me is passed on to my, the next generation? I'll show that to you in the next, in the next hour when we come together for, for services. But the reality is, is now Abraham is being awakened by God. his wife. You want to talk about something special. Even Sarah believed the message that Abraham told her. Let me tell you something, men. Do you realize that from the beginning, God has made it possible for us to be the teachers of our wives? So it requires of us that we study the Word of God in such a way that we can be those legitimate teachers to our wives. Many times the wives themselves will ask questions that cause me to go back and study. You know, last week I had Sister Brenda, she made a comment. She said, all the years that I've been in some grace churches, I've never heard a message about the birth of Christ. That sent shockwaves through me. And I'll tell you why, sister. Because we say, as preachers, that we celebrate the birth of Christ every day of our lives. Well, if we do then we make it important, don't we? And yet for him to be the Christ, he had to fulfill every opportunity. Do you realize for me to be a child of God? I did not want to be a preacher. I didn't want to be a preacher. I don't care how many talents I may have, I don't care what abilities I may have. In fact, when I went to seminary, my... Uh, preacher that was there made this statement. He goes, man, people will gravitate to you because you can sing. Well, praise God I can sing, but my voice is about gone. And now I have a message that I still have to declare. In rebellion, I said, Lord, with George Bush. I have met many celebrities. I have been in a simulator with Wally Schwall. Anyone know who Wally Schwall is? He was an astronaut. He was an astronaut. 
and I've been in the simulator and I've flown with him. When I tell people this all the time, I said, you know, the reality is we have to understand the separation that God has called us to. And you know, I have found it more blessed to be able to sit with a child and to tell them about Christ than all the elbows and all the others that I've had contact with. God had to take that love out of me. And he had to give me a love for his message, for his work. Get up, get out. And do you realize he had to get going? And you know what's amazing is Abraham didn't know where he was going. Look what it says in verse 4 again. And it said, matter of fact, in verse 2 it says, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thee a great name, and thou shalt be blessed, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curse thee, and all the families of the earth shall bless. So Abraham departed, or Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old, and he went out of Haran, and Abram took Sarai, his wife, and, his, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the substances that they had gathered, and all the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth into the land of Canaan. And they came into the land of Canaan, they came. Do you realize that he went wherever God was going to send him? Let me ask you this, before, and we'll close. How many of you all are ready in 2024 to go where God will send you? How many of you in 2024 will think of that song, The Cross Before Me, The World Behind Me? How many of you have heard that song? The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. You know, the reality is that we can't turn back. If we have dedicated ourselves to Christ, there is no turning back. And yet, this is just the beginning of a man's faith. Lord, again, I want to thank you that you have allowed me to stand up before the congregation to deliver thy word. I pray that you will now go with us as we go and prepare for the afternoon service. Guide and bless. In Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you all. God bless.